the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 800-834-1233. Freedom Crude. 800-834-1233. 800-834-1233. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. My country tears me. Sweet land of liberty of the sing. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever we are americans this is always right radio on am 1420 the answer here's your host bob france Good morning, Northeast Ohio. This is Khalid Namar in for Bob France today on this Friday, December 29th. Unbelievable. This year is done, gone. Wow. It started out with a a train a train wreck in East Palestine. And it's, it's, can you believe that? I think that was sometime in January or February. Unbelievable. And here we are, December, a couple of days left. So I'm glad to be with you on this Friday Bob is, is is on his much needed break. I have been in this studio the, the second time this week. I've been on radio more than Elvis and the Beatles this week, so good. And having a good time in here. Welcome to all of you. A lot going on. I'll hit on a couple of things. We'll be talking to my good friend, host of the Outlaws radio program, Dario Morrow who wrote a Newsweek article about the Nikki Haley situation. And just to let you know, the surgery has been successful to remove her foot from her mouth. So she is in a little bit of hot water, and we'll be talking about that. Plus, I'll be getting into some history later on about uh, what people, I think, are missing about this whole Civil War thing and, and, 
And I'm, I'm, I'm really disappointed that she didn't handle that person better. Cause here we are in 2023 heading into 24 and, and, and people are throwing questions about the civil war. I'm like, I'm like, what? I'm sorry. You know, we have so many things going on, like in 2023 and some, uh, snarky lefty, which I'm sure that's what he was throws out a question about the civil war. And as usual, conservatives, Republicans who don't know how to talk to the, to the, to anybody puts their foot in their mouth. And now she is, she's a headline. So she took a major hit. So we'll be talking about that later, but first up, we'll be talking about freedom and Liberty with a very special guest. He's a very strong conservative and Patriot. He runs something called the freedom fighters gallery. I've interviewed with him on his show before. And his name is Steve Cobran out of New Jersey. Steve, are you there? Yes, sir. Good morning, Khalid. How are you today? I'm well. I'm well. And and I am so happy to finally be talking to you. You and I spoke a couple of months ago, and I've been meaning to get you on my program. But better yet, we're on the number one program in Northeast Ohio, the Bob France Show. So you have a, a much bigger audience right now uh, to talk to than you would be on my program, which we're still going to do. But I'm glad to have you on today. So tell people about who you are and what it is you do and what is the Freedom Fighters Gallery. Will do, and thank you so much. And, and, I, and I really need to stress that it's an honor to be with you and to support your work as a, as a patriot and a conservative. Thank you. So here is what the project does. The Gallery of Freedom Fighters are interviews with people standing up for freedom across the country some of whom are very prominent and in the news, and some of whom like a low profile and are just moms and dads sticking up for their country and their family. Let me tell you how I started the project. I'm a businessman. I, I own a national life insurance brokerage, and like many business and professional people, I was on LinkedIn. And LinkedIn, as you might recall, used to be a place reserved just for business. But come 2020, come actually 2019, and we have the scandemic, <laughs> we have the election fraud, people started speaking out, and I was one of them. I didn't just make comments. I would actually post credible third-party articles showing evidence that, yeah, the, the COVID bioweapon was a scam. It led to a, the vaccine, which is dangerous and also a scam, and... I'm posting articles about this, and I'm posting evidence that the, the election was being stolen. And boom, LinkedIn knocks me off. Mm. They wiped out 12,000 contacts, hundreds of posts. And if you put two and two together, you understand why. If you look at the ownership of LinkedIn, you see what their politics are. and You can see how they'd want to silence dissident voices. So what happens then? My attitude was, so heck with these guys. I'm going to form my own website, and that will be the resource for patriots and conservatives to get solid, third-party, credible information to strengthen their hunches that, yeah, we're being scammed. Okay. So I created the FreedomDefenseResourceCenter.com, and it's a, it's a post, it's a website rich with posts that show evidence to fuel the argument in favor of freedom. Along the way, I met a number of 
people that I'm calling freedom fighters. One in particular was a prominent lawyer in New Jersey named Ron Broody. He is a great freedom fighter, and he chooses to defend people who are being discriminated against by government agencies or by employers because they're not vaccinated. And he has a good track record of success. And he's been interviewed by all the major conservative pundits, and he's got a name for himself, and I know him. So I said, Ron, I said, I'd like to interview you, but it's going to be a different type of interview. What's it going to be? It's going to be about you. Not about the issues necessarily, but about you. Why? And it was an intriguing idea. And let me tell you why I felt a personal interview to discuss his why as to why he fights to be so important. I'm a martial arts practitioner. I train in Bagua Kung Fu. And if you're familiar with the world of martial arts, you understand that understanding your purpose, knowing why you train, is essential. First of all, if you're in combat and things get tough, you need to know why you're fighting to persevere. If you're, only gonna, if you're going to undergo a test to advance in rank, you need to know your why, because otherwise you're not going to make it through a six- to eight-hour grueling test. If you want to make a lifetime commitment to training, you need to know your why, because as soon as things get complicated or inconvenient, you might give up if you don't know your why. So I, I looked at this fight for freedom, and I looked at the people that are standing up for freedom, and I realized they're making a lifetime commitment. This is going to be a multi-generational war, and people need to know their why to sustain themselves through all the hard times, all the setbacks, all the failures, all the grief and the criticism and so on, and getting deplatformed and debanked and so mm-hmm. on. And I realized that that there's a lot of people we need to encourage to join the fight, to get off the bench and into the game, and they need to role models. They need to hear the stories of people who decided to take a stand and to serve as role models and and sources of inspiration so people who are just leading ordinary lives can say, gosh darn it, i got to do something too. And I explained this to Ron, and he goes, wow, let's give it a whirl. Never heard of that. So 30 minutes later, he says, this was the best. And now 50 interviews later, um, I've, I've managed to record the personal story of all kinds of people, men and women, and as I mentioned, prominent and low profile, who are telling their story about why they choose to take a stand for freedom and how they deal with the criticism and how they deal with the censorship and how they deal with the fear of being canceled and the threats and the concern about their job and their livelihood and their business. And, 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 I, and, I, and I will keep doing it to inspire all the people we need to get up and get into the fight who are right now scared but who need encouragement. That's the Gallery of Freedom Fighters. Yeah, that's a, a great, great background on, on what you're doing because I tell you, it takes a lot of courage for people to stand up because there are people in the educational field who are afraid to speak out because they're concerned about being retaliated against. And so people are silent. People are silent about losing their jobs. Like you said, they're, they're, they're doing things that we never thought was possible. For instance, people like you mentioned being debanked, 
you're just being thrown out of your bank account because of what you believe. They would just, you know, people just close your accounts. Now, there's other things that are going on as well. For instance, I think uh, when it comes to uh, certain cities deciding, well, we don't we don't want to host this particular organization because of just what you believe. And there's a lot of this, uh, for lack of a better term, we call it cancel culture. But I'll say it's turning into what China does with social credit, where you are persona non grata based on what you think and what you believe. And you're stained publicly for that reason. And so a lot of people do not want to speak out, do not want to be labeled. So it takes people, uh, individuals, to just break the mold and exhibit courage and not be afraid to to step out. And, and it's, it's a big risk. I get that. It is a risk. And I get the frustration people feel. I mean, I know doctors who have taken the shot because they wanted to keep their job. They've administered the shot to their patients, and their patients get sick, and some of their patients die. And I appreciate the, the horrible moral and emotional dilemma that they're in and the parents were you know sending their their kids to schools that are and and in the schools they're being indoctrinated by marxist ideology i get that and 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 i feel for the people who are like you know but i I know something has to be done but I'm, i'm afraid okay so so what do we do with these people and um one thing that we can't do is just keep pushing them and say Look, if you don't do this, we're going to lose the country. If you don't do this, we're going to become communist. You know, the, 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 the holding the threat over their heads because we're afraid is not going to encourage them to, to be unafraid. Um, there's a few people that are activists that would stand up and say, yeah, you know what, I'm going to stop this. These are the 5% of the people that are, that are already tough enough because they're former military or they're former law enforcement or there are entrepreneurs that have been through it and done that. You know, there's there's a bunch of seasoned people that will will, will step up and 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 say that the heck with the fear. I'm going to do this, okay? But the majority of people who are feel like really stuck, you can't push them. So what do you do? So it comes down to to how does anybody get what you might call spiritual growth, where they they get in touch with their inner resources when they get in touch with their inner beliefs and, and, and the strength that God gives them, that they're born with, that they can tap into. How, how do they get in touch with that? Well, one good way is to hear how other people have done it. So that's why I pay special attention to who I'm interviewing, and I want to have all kinds of people, people that are fighting medical tyranny and people that are fighting for election integrity and people that are fighting for, to clean up the schools and, and, and get all that the, the transgender and, and the programming out of there. Because everybody has a little arena in which they need to take a stand. And if they see that somebody has, has stood up and fought on behalf of their kids, let's say, even though they're, they're shaking and, and they're nervous, like, gosh darn it, you know, you don't have to be Superman to do this. I can do that too. So encouragement is something that's kind of like that can spread. Once we see one person do it, then we feel like we can do it, and somebody somebody looks at us and says, you know, if he could do it, then I can do it. Yeah. 
you, you, that's, that's what we need. Yeah, you're right. You know, and I've taken some over the years. I've taken some grassroots training, and you may have seen this video where uh, it's like at some sort of outdoor concert. So one person jumps up, and he just. Uh, I think it's a female. She just starts dancing kind of crazy because she's the only one dancing. So she jumps up and she she starts dancing and she's kind of, you know, just dance a little bit crazy and out of control. And then a couple of minutes later, somebody joins her and then someone else joins and then someone else joins. And the next thing you know, you got 20 people just up dancing. And, and they talk about how that works in building a movement where it takes one person to step out and other people become encouraged and they join. And that's kind of what you're saying. You encourage individuals and those individuals by virtue of stepping out can give courage to others to do the same. hundred percent. And I tell you, this is a, this is a, a tale that's related by many of the freedom fighters I've interviewed. They said, you know, I, I decided I finally had to go to a board meeting and protest the contents of the books that were being read to the kids and, and, and I got to the microphone, and I was shaking. I was nervous as heck, but I did it. And then afterwards, three of my neighbors said, you know what, because you did that, I'm going to sign the petition, or I'm going to go to the next meeting. You're exactly right. Yeah. And what we have going for us is, like in the scenario that you talked about, it's kind of like total strangers still getting encouraged by other people. Here we have friends and neighbors and family members. We already have connections with each other. So it's almost like much easier for us to encourage each other because we have a basis for relationship. And then, you know, if you see the neighbor next door take a stand and you know them and you know who you are, it's like, gosh darn it, you know, I got to follow her because, you know, I know she's a good person and here she is showing me the way to do this. So Excellent. we have a lot going for us to kind of spread the spirit of getting involved. Yeah, it just takes people to to devote a little time to doing it. I do a lot of volunteer work I have over the years uh, on a lot of different levels. I particularly like to spend a lot of time in schools with kids, talking to kids, uh, showing up. uh, You know, I substitute teach, but also I've been talking to kids for years in schools, and, and I see very few people in the schools, but I see many people out, you know, walking up and down the street protesting things. But when it comes to getting involved and actually trying to make society better, I think a lot of people's energy is just spent in other places. But some people right now can contribute in just a little way. You can write op-eds. You know, you can, you know, like you said, circulate petitions. You can make phone calls. There are things that people do in their own little way. Some people are not necessarily good at being out front, but there's ways you can contribute. Much in the way that people contribute to a to, to like a sports team. You, you you know, you don't have the, the, the superstars all the time. You have the, the people that do the blocking and, and the, you know, the the, um, the the offensive linemen, you know, on the team. You don't often know who those guys are, but they make plays work. They contribute in their own way to the people that you do see out front. There, there's ways you can support. Uh, as Dennis Prager says, who's on this network, you, you he likes to support the people who uh, help the fighters. There's the fighters and the people who help the fighters. And that's what people need to find out. Which, which one are you going to be? Are you going to be a fighter or are you going to be someone that helps the fighters? Uh, before we take a break, Steve, I, I, I want to take a call. Uh, you mind? Oh, please do. It yep. my pleasure. So we got Jim from West Park. Jim, are you Good morning. there? Uh, I wanted to make a comment. There are really 
tearing into Nikki Haley, Nikki Cheney. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not a fan of hers, but she was right when she answered the question. She says it's tyranny from Washington that caused this well, you know what? I, I, I'm going to be getting into that later, and and and, but I, I think that that answer was uh, a little shallow. I think that there should have been a, a a better answer she should have given. But I also think that most of the narrative around it is wrong. So I'm going to be talking about that. But I think can, her can, her, can her I comment about that. Sure, go ahead. Okay, uh, it was about the three fifths rule, and it started with Pierce. And Buchanan, the two presidents before Lincoln. And they weren't giving any representation to the people in the South, okay, that, that uh, uh, offered slavery. And they were, most of them were treated pretty good, okay? Most uh, wait, of them. Wait, I'm now, sorry. Wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Excuse me? Who, 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 who are you saying were treated good? I said most of the black slaves in the they were called servants okay okay okay, okay. I, were, I i i i'm not i'm not going to entertain that i'm not i'm sorry i i just i have no tolerance for nonsense anyway okay, well, then okay. Just, okay. i'm done i'm done i'm done goodbye goodbye okay so let's get back to an intelligent conversation i'm not going to have anybody call up with any silliness um so anyway you got another segment in you i do thank okay, you okay good I am with Steve Colbrand. We are talking uh, freedom fighters today uh, with uh, our friend from New Jersey. I am Khalid Namar and for Bob France. Here on AM 1420, The Answer. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Always right radio with Bob France on The Answer. Welcome back to Always Right Radio, The Bob France Show. I am Khalid Namar and for Bob France. So, what I want to do is offer an apology for being a little short with the last caller. I'll be talking about the Nikki Haley thing. Um, and if you want to call back later, Jim, you are welcome to do so. I'll be having my good friend Darvio Kingpin Mar on next hour. We'll be talking about that whole issue. He wrote an article in Newsweek, pretty good article on that whole thing. So I'll be getting into that as well. Also, there's House Bill 68, which we'll see what DeWine does today, which is the uh, notification, youth notification uh, bill for transgender procedures. So we'll see what some people think DeWine is going to veto it. So we'll we'll see what happens today. So I am on with Steve Cobran of the Freedom Fighters Gallery. We're talking about freedom fighters and what it takes for people to step up. So, Steve, right now we have we, we're in a place that I thought I would never see. And I'm sure you did too, where we are stepping over so many lines, particularly when, when it comes to individual freedom and constitutionality on a certain issue. You talked about the vaccines and, and so forth. It, it reminds me of, 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 of Howie Mandel comedian. And he would, he would go out and annoy people. He put on like costumes. He would disguise himself as like a, an employee and he would, he would just go and annoy people. And and he had one particular experiment, which really kind of, it was funny, but it, it really frightened me a bit. He went to, it was a casino somewhere. And he stood out in the hallway as people were walking down this long corridor. And he told people, hey, you have to walk backwards through this corridor. 
And a large number of people, not everybody, but a large number of people started walking backwards just because he told them to. And and it, it they look so foolish. But that kind of told me like it, it, it reinforced that during this COVID thing for me, because I said this COVID situation proved to me that people just do what they're told. It's particularly if the government tells them. Even people who we otherwise respected kind of fell for this. What do you think about that, Steve? I get it, and and I'm aware of what you're talking about. I mean, I have family that was killed in Nazi Germany that fled Nazi Germany, Germany, and a lot of the, the you know, and 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 it's true that if you see evil and you do nothing, you are facilitating evil, and and I get that. And I've come to this conclusion that, in, in general terms, 5% of the population is going to be evil. And we know who they are, the perpetrators of the, 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 the people that are trying to form the one-world government and the people that are, are using vaccines as a means of genocide. You know, these are really hardcore evil people. And on the other end of the spectrum, you have 5%, roughly speaking, who are going to be righteous. The people that are going to stand up and say, nope, you know, this is not going to happen while I'm around, and okay. And in between, you have the 90% of the people who can go either way, depending on where the wind blows, depending on which charismatic figure they listen to that evening. I get that. And, and these are the 90% that we are, we're fighting for because the 5% of the people that are righteous and get active are not going to carry the ball for the rest of us for generations, and we need... We, and, and this war is going to require generations worth of work to repair the damage that the technocrats are doing. Okay. But there's really good news behind this, and it relates to a point you made earlier about you don't have to be a superstar to, to make a contribution, that every little bit counts. There's an awful lot to be said for what you might want to call, let's say, moral persuasion. And, and I'll give you some examples. You know, in a lot of communities, you have libraries hosting drag shows, mm-hmm. which is nuts. Why are they doing this? And one key reason why they're doing this is because the, the library association is Marxist, and the leader of the library association is a self-proclaimed Marxist, and they're basically telling their, their affiliates, the librarians that belong to the association, if you don't host these drag shows, you're going to lose their job. So here we have people, librarians, who... I mean, who's ever afraid of a librarian? <laughs> These people, the most assertive they get is to shush you in the library. And they're nice people. And all of a sudden, they're bullying people, saying, well, tough. We're going to have a drag show here. Okay. So, so what's a way of affecting these people? You can get all judgy and you can get all threatening. But you could also say, you know, hey, Margie, I've known you for 10 years working in this library. You know this isn't good for kids, don't you? And, you know, if she's going to look on either side and say, yeah, I know it is, but I'm going to lose my job. You have an impact on that person just by by reminding them that what they're doing is bad, mm-hmm. and that's going to have an effect. And I'll give you one other example. You know, we all know doctors that have administered this shot that's killed people. And as much as these doctors are going to say, you know, the hospital threatened to take away my license, and and you know, I got to feed my eight kids, and on this and this and this, we understand that. But you know what? They're still responsible for what they did. 
So what do you do? The, the doctor could be your brother-in-law. The doctor could be your neighbor. So what do you do? You say, look, I feel really bad for you that, that you were put in this hard position where you were going to lose your livelihood and your income, and you had to go and do this to people. And you leave it at that. And they're like, oh, my God. You know, you, did, they're, they're, you make them stew a little bit in their own moral dilemma. That goes a long way. And that kind of effect you have on people could lead them to, in eight months, say, no way, no how, I've had enough. I'm not going to do this. So it's very hard to rely on, like, the subtle influence we have on people. But that's, I think, our saving grace, because we know each other. And the people that are, that are turning against us and the people that are, that are trying to hurt our kids and, and remove our bodily autonomy and all this, these are people we know. You know, so we do have a little bit of leverage if we can use it in a, in a more subtle way, but that's a, that's a very effective way. And I think that gives us a lot of odds of winning this thing. You know, it, it reminds me of something I experienced. I went to my nephew, who is now, I helped raise him, so he's like 24 now, but this was when he was like probably eight. I went to his elementary school for one of these. Uh, it's, this was when texting became a thing with kids, right? And so it was a conference warning parents about the dangers of this whole thing. So it, it was a teacher there. She told a story of when she first started teaching, she was teaching in the seventies. She was a bit of a hippie. She wanted to be cool. She let the kids call her by her first name. She chewed gum and all that kind of stuff. She, she wanted to be cool. And she got a visit one day from one of the teachers in the school to came have a talk with her. His name was Colonel White. <laughs> Colonel White was a 24-year Army veteran, absolutely, probably, certainly old school. He was not having it because the kids were taking that behavior to his class and throughout the rest of the school. So he came to have a talk with her, and he explained to her that her permissiveness was not good for the kids, and it was not good for the school. And that was when the, the proverbial light went on in her head as to how how she handled her classroom was very important for those kids to learn how to conduct themselves when they left her classroom because they were taking that bad behavior around the whole school. And it took somebody like an Army veteran to explain to her how important her lack of discipline uh, was affecting those kids. And if you extrapolate that to society, that's kind of what we have. We have this, we've had this permissiveness, which has rotted and decayed society over the last several decades. And now you have this huge mess in our school systems. And I never forgot that story because it is, it is, it is a, a brilliant micro example of what has happened to society. Steve Coburn. I get that, you know, and, and it's, this is why, this is why there's such a, an attempt to silence dissident voices. It's because the people that are that are really messing up know better. I mean, some of them, like as I said, are hardcore evil and, and they're totally committed to destruction. But a lot of them are getting dragged along. And you know, you know, why are they trying to silence Trump? It's because he's exposing them. And you know, I don't really care who you vote for, but that's the key reason. It's because all these guys know that they're getting bullied and bribed and, and brainwashed, and and they're doing and they're getting blackmailed. And they're doing wrong things for the country, and they, they, they don't like it. Mm -hmm. They don't like themselves. 
and and anybody that points out, hey, you know, this is quite this is wrong. Like, quiet, I don't want to hear about it. It's like you know, don't ask, don't tell type of thing. But when and that's why they they try to crush the so-called opposition. If they they don't want to hear the voice that's in their ears saying, you know, you really shouldn't be doing this. You're a congressman type of thing. So that's why they want to silence us, and that's why. That's why just speaking out, whether it's on a social media platform or just in your living room or just, you know, over the so-called backyard fence to your neighbor makes a difference because it, it keeps people honest and, and, it, and it keeps, it keeps a, a positive, enlightening influence around so that they understand you really can't get away with this. There's, there's no hiding. Everybody knows what you're doing, and the more we keep saying, you know, that's wrong, without trying to bang it over their heads, they're going to, eventually they're going to realize they're going to wake up as, as opposed to being woke and saying, gosh darn it, I can't live with myself anymore. I've got to stop this. I think that's very, very possible. I, I, I certainly hope you're right. I think that there are, there are more people who have gotten involved over the last several years, some people who have come to me and said, I never, I never voted or I didn't vote often, but now I want to do something. I want to get involved because a, they see what's going on from, from, from where they sit, but also something has come to them personally and with their kids. A lot of people have gotten involved. A lot of parents have gotten involved because of things that have been going on with their kids and you don't mess with people's kids. That's usually what gets them gets them motivated. Yeah. There's been a lot of people in this state in particular and around the country who've run for school boards because of what has been going on with their kids. And it's been it's been really good to see uh, some of the success that, that some of these people have had when getting involved because they said, look, I'm not going to sit by and let, let this happen to my kids. So I'm running for my school board. They've gotten on some of these school boards. They've made some changes. But there's certainly more work that needs to be done in that respect. But I certainly respect people who t- who decide to get into the fight because they see it at their doorstep. That's right. And that's a common thing among the freedom fighters that I interview. They're just like, hey, I just wanted to be able to take care of my kids and lead a life and go to soccer games on and on and on. And then they came home with this book. <laughs> or, you know, I, 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 I saw what was happening with the Zoom class during COVID and like, oh, my God. So you're right. There, there are people who who were pushed with their back against the wall and said, you know, I got to take a stand. Everybody has like a hot button. And you're right. A lot of times it's our kids or it could be our country or it could be because they're Christians and what's happening to Christians or Jews, what's happening to Jews. Like everybody has a certain bottom line that they're going to that they're going to that's when they're going to take a stand. And actually, it's a blessing in disguise that the tyranny is so multifaceted and it's happening in all our institutions because it's affecting everybody. Nobody's immune. And, 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 and as you say, you know, more and more people are, have their, are having their backs pinned against the wall, whether it's by their school district or whether it's by the, the county election committee, whatever it is, they keep pushing us against the wall. And they, they think that we're just going to collapse because of the pushing, what they don't understand is that the pushing, after a certain point, people are just going to push back. We are not little malleable plastic toys here. So their their own strategy of trying to sp- 
spread the tyranny far and wide, it's going to be their, their complete undoing. Well, again, I, I hope so, um, because these institutions, and I say these institutions, and I'm mainly my two least favorite, <laughs> besides, you know, politicians, but academia and the media, those are, in my opinion, the two most uh, pernicious institutions in our society right now. I think when it comes to uh, co-signing the tyranny, none of this happens without a corrupt media. A lot of the media is what makes people afraid because you can be slammed in 24 hours. You can be, you can, you can be famous for simply making a statement or taking a position and instantly you're attacked. Like look at Elon Musk. Elon Musk is no super conservative. He's just someone who believes in free speech. And instantly he went from being this benign figure who was just a wealthy pop culture figure to some sort of public enemy because the media turned on him simply for pushing free speech. This is, this is what I'm talking about when it comes to how evil these people are. Turn on a dime against a guy who is not, again, not really political, but he believes in a basic core of our system, and that is free speech. And that was too much for the establishment, and they started going after him. Yeah, uh, and, and as you're talking about media, the media has a lot of people that woke up instead of being woke, and they realize what's happening to them. I mean, on a, on a weekly basis, you hear about somebody else from the, from the Washington Post or from the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal even saying, wait a minute, you can't treat me like that. You know, their egos are big enough so that they, can, they, they will take public umbrage at the way they're treated. I mean, I think Tucker's a good example. Yeah. You know, so, so they pushed him too far. And now he's, created, he's creating his own media empire. So, so those are good examples of people who they got pushed to their limit and they said, that's enough. And I think you're going to see a lot more people in academics, especially, you know, the, the head of the Ivy Leagues, who are, who are pushing people too far. And when the students start filing lawsuits because of civil rights violations and federal funding gets reduced to these places, they're going to learn their lessons, too. Yeah. So, you know, their punishment and awakening is coming for even those folks. Well, let me ask you this. We got a few minutes left. Have you paid a personal price for this? Have you lost friends or have you had any strained relationships in your own personal life? Very much the case. Um, Family estrangement, couldn't go to weddings in the family. They required vaccination. Um, Very close relatives breaking things off with me. Wow. Um, losing friends, longtime friends in the community. I mean, it, you know, in, in, in my religious community, I'm a religious Jew, you know, my attitude was, wait a minute, they're closing down the synagogues, but we can go to ShopRite? You know, so, yeah. you know, but, in, but, in the Yiddish word for synagogue is shul. So I said, wait, if we can go to ShopRite, we can go to shul. You know, why don't you understand that? And why would anybody roll over and, and, and not go just because the government says um, you can't do it, especially since they're promoting essential businesses? So I made a lot of enemies for speaking out at the, 
at the lack of uh, leadership in religious communities, and it, it's the Christian communities as well as the Jewish communities. Okay, yeah, I have, and you know what? It hurts a real lot. Um, but uh, I got—I have absolutely no choice, and I really hope and I pray that the people that have alienated me wake up. But at the at the at the bottom line is remaining woke. It's going to hurt them a lot more than it's going to hurt me. And I feel sorry for them. But there's nothing I can do until they decide to open their eyes. You know, you know what shook me, I follow what, uh, what was going on in New York State during the whole COVID uh, fiasco. And I remember seeing an uproar in the, uh, I guess, I don't know if there's the Hasidic community, there was the Orthodox community, I'm not sure, right. where... Uh, they were trying to shut down large gatherings, but also in the cover of night, the state legislator removed the religious exemption from the vaccine laws. Right. And that was not covered widely throughout the country. And they did it, like I said, under the cover of night to where there was no more uh, religious exemptions for people to not take vaccines. And I was stunned at the way that they did this. And and outside of New York, there wasn't a whole lot of coverage. But anyway, we're out of time for the segment. But anyway, I want to thank you and give people some information really, really quickly on how they can follow what you're doing. Sure. Thank you, Khalid. Um, it's freedomdefenseresourcecenter.com. It's spelled exactly as it sounds. You can always ask Khalid for more information, yep. but you go to the website, you'll find the gallery and my contact information. Beautiful. Thank you, Steve. We'll definitely do this again. I appreciate you coming in today on such short notice. It was my honor and privilege. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Steve. Steve Cobrin, Freedom Fighters Gallery. Great guy. See, go to morethanatour.online. Give the gift of shared memories this Christmas. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Darkness. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer is your host, Bob France. And this is Khalid Namar, Infobot France, uh, second hour. And so it, we've been talking a little bit, little bit about Nikki Haley. We're going to get more to that now. I'm going to play something real quick for those of you who just haven't heard. Just to, before I bring up my guest, uh, Dario Kingpin Morrow, to talk about his Newsweek article with the latest Republican foot-in-mouth controversy. Yes, sir. Thank you, Ambassador. Thank you. Please, um, what was the cause of the United States Civil War? Well, don't come with an easy question or anything. I mean, I think the cause of the Civil War was basically how government was going to run, the freedoms and what people could and couldn't do. What do you think the cause of the Civil War was? I'm sorry? I mean, I think it always comes down to the role of government and what the rights of the people are. And we, I will always stand by the fact 
that I think government was intended to secure the rights and freedoms of the people. It was never meant to be all things to all people. Government doesn't need to tell you how to live your life. They don't need to tell you what you can and can't do. They don't need to be a part of your life. They need to make sure that you have freedom. We need to have capitalism. We need to have economic freedom. We need to make sure that we do all things so that individuals have the liberties so that they can have freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom to do or be anything they want to be without government getting in the way. What do you want me to say about slavery? Next question. Okay, so that was Nikki Haley, and she has been trying to clean this up. And I, I have different issues about her answer more than most people. But anyway, I won't I won't talk about that now. I'll talk about that next hour. Right now, I have a guest. He is the CEO and uh well, he's host of Outlaws Radio program on his own network, the FCB Radio Network, a network that I was proud to have been a part of for a few years. He is Darvio Kingpin Morrow, also one of Cleveland's most interesting people. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. How you doing, brother? How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm well. So you wrote this Newsweek article. You, you turn it over pretty quickly on the Nikki Haley situation so tell us about your article yeah i mean it i didn't need much motivating to get that <laughs> um so there were a couple of points that i made I, I and when i was listening to you play that it was cringeworthy like i was cringing it, um, it was hard to hear it and it she's too smart to be that that answer was a terrible answer. One of my Twitter followers said it was like she gave like a uh, the university president answer level bad. That's how bad that was. Um, my article basically was making a couple of points. One, to me, knowing that she knows better, because this is someone who in 2015, when a white supremacist shot up uh, Mother Emanuel Church and killed all those people, she removed the Confederate flag from uh, government ground. So I know she knows better. So then that tells me this is not, this is not ignorance. This is uh, an intentional, cynical act. And one of the main things that I said in my article is that Republican primary could be insulted. And Republican primary voters should be insulted because essentially, by her being so afraid to utter the word slavery, in regards to the Civil War, what she's essentially saying in her head is that she thinks Republican voters are so bigoted that if she says the word slavery, it's going to cause her a political backlash. So not only did she insult black people with that stupid answer, but Republican primary voters should feel insulted as well. Well, what I noticed, she started to get right into the AFP talking points. Um, with when she started talking about government and the role of government, that's straight out of the AFP playbook. And of course, we know that they're backing her, and that is the 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 danger of getting into presidential primary politics that many people in any organization were against in the first place. Because this is what you're going to have. This was going to happen, right? You get behind an individual, and that individual will get foot in mouth 
disease because that's what politicians do. And I've been talking about it for years, for years, going back, you know, I think 2015, 2016, when it comes to certain issues, particularly yes, well, everybody seen, everybody's seen. never heard this, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> this is about to be amazing. I love when Khalid does this rant. Go ahead, Khalid, go ahead. <laughs> this is my favorite part. Everybody, I have been saying there are certain words and certain things that get people in trouble all the time, and they always, always fall for this trap. There's Holocaust, there's slavery, plantation, welfare, Nazi, Hitler. All of these things seem to get politicians, particularly on the right, but on the left, on the left too, they all do it. They get in trouble. And I always tell people, take these words, if you can, put them on a sheet of paper, each one of them, ball them up, put them in an ashtray, and set them on fire. <laughs> because that is always going to trip people up. They can't seem to articulate well when they're talking to people. I have no idea why. I have no idea why. They always get in trouble with this. And it is astonishing to me. You are most likely these people cannot get in front of a crowd and say the right thing. Bernie Moreno, and you know Bernie. I don't know mm -hmm. Bernie. I don't know him, but you know him. He did the same thing a few months ago when somebody asked him about reparations. Why are you talking about reparations in Ohio? <laughs> you know, California can talk about it. And in Washington, they're talking around it, talking around the subject. Why are you talking about it here in Ohio? When someone brought up that question, you should have said, look, this is Ohio. California could spend its money how it wants to. That's not an issue for Ohio voters. Next question. But what did he do? He decided to throw red meat to the audience and he had to get his foot taken out of his mouth. <laughs> I don't know why they cannot speak without mangling these topics. Nikki Haley should have said, well, listen, this is 2023. I have no idea why you're asking me about um, slavery. But if you really want an answer, I would have told that this person, of course, secession driven by the issue of slavery led to the Civil War. I'll give you a more uh, a nuanced answer after my talk, because it's much more complicated than you and most people know. Next question. Right. <laughs> I, and you know how I talk. I'm a little bit. I, I, I'm sorry. I don't mean to talk down to people simply because I think that right. they are. But some people, when they ask you a question, it's a gotcha question. And that's what that was, because he somehow knew that, hey, she's from South Carolina. I need to throw this at her. But that's right. I'm, I'm done, Randy. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> you know, here, here's the thing. It's a gotcha I'm sorry, I have a little connectivity problems. Is that? Can you hear me, brother? Yeah, that's better. Go ahead. Yeah, I said it. It was a gotcha question, and it turned into a gotcha question with that stupid answer, right? <laughs> right. Gotcha question doesn't work. They don't get you, right? You allowed right. it to get you. And and I had a a friend of mine when this first blew up. I had a friend of mine DM me. Um, white guys talking about this, and it was very interesting because I didn't even think about it until he said it. It was like he was like, "How is it 
that out of all of the Republican candidates in the presidential primary that's left, Donald Trump is the only one that has managed to not say anything stupid about black people. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. Well, well, maybe he's learned his lesson. <laughs> <laughs> he's the only one. Trump is the only one that hasn't said anything stupid about black people in this race. I don't know what she was thinking. And to your point, Khalid, the problem when people get trapped they get caught up in this stuff is because they don't know what the hell they're talking about. They're not proficient on these issues. This is why they shouldn't talk about it. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, it's just, it, you, you shouldn't talk about these issues because you don't know what you're talking about. And the thing for Nikki in particular, I think is more nefarious is I know she knows better. We know she knows better. We've seen her operate differently under different circumstances. So to me, that shows me that she's a cynical politician. That reinforced every criticism that everybody has about Nikki Haley, that she'll do and say anything to get elected, that she's a Republican John Kerry. That to me, that's that's what I looked at, because basically what what she was saying by being so afraid to say that slavery, to say the word slavery in relation to the Civil War, that means that you have a very low opinion of the Republican primary voters that you're trying to convince to vote for you. But but I'm going to go back to my earlier point. This is AFP speak, right? Because she went right back into, well, the role of government, and which is an important issue. But that's the message that she's going to be hammering because that's her number one endorser right now, at least uh, when it comes to messaging. And she's going to be hammering that message to the voters, because I know this well, and I'm not bashing the organization, but right. th- that's what I heard. So she reverted right back to that messaging. It's talking about we don't need government to tell you what to do, what you can't do, and this and that. She's trying to appeal to that libertarian type uh, yeah. demographic that AFP attracts. And I think this is the danger that many people saw coming when as an organization they usually never got involved in uh, uh, presidential primaries but they decided for some strange reason to do it this year and now you have your candidate who is putting herself in a hole right now I don't know how this is going to affect her polling I don't know if people are going to be turned off to her because of it but I'll tell you what it is not good no no it's not and you know what uh, you make a very interesting point on that and it, it reminds me of uh, something else another one of my followers said. It was like it, it was almost like she was answering the wrong question. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. her her response, her initial response, using all those talking points, it really didn't make any sense. Right. It really fit with the question that she was asked. It was just like she was just using, she was just spouting off talking points. And I did think about that, too. Like afterwards, what happens now with all of these people whether it's AFP or some of these other organizations or some of these other prominent figures who've endorsed her. And now you've got to deal with that because now it looks like, and I'll, I'll, I'll bring up this point because I heard uh, Vivek Ramaswamy say this. I'm not, I'm not saying about it. He's had his own foot in mouth problems before, but mm-hmm. he did make a very good point. He said, he said well, it's, it, apparently Nikki knows as much about the 
Civil War as he does about the Ukraine War. I thought that was pretty Ooh, funny. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's like, he, he can't help but take so shots at her. Right. That was Well, that was pretty good. And, you know, and I sat there after she said that, and I said, I, the nerve, I felt sorry for her when he was beating up on her at that last debate. <laughs> I felt sorry for her. And then you turn around and said something stupid like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. But it, I, I think a lot of those people, the people who endorse her, the people who back her, and especially AFP, they're going to have a problem. Yeah, it, it, it's already a huge problem because a lot of people were turned off to her anyway. And right. in this state in particular, which is a Trump right. state, you better not go to any county and talk about another candidate besides Trump. There are several counties where oh, you sure. just not, you're not even welcome. And uh, real quick before I forget, your article is available where uh it's on newsweek uh you can go to newsweek.com it's uh newsweek opinion you can see it and it's uh i have it up on my uh on my twitter slash x account which is at d the kingpin d-t-h-e-k-i-n-g-p-i-n yep yeah we want to check that out the d the kingpin uh on all the social media handles d the kingpin so here's another thing i want to talk about <clears throat> when it comes to the primary, you have Trump pretty much. She was closing the gap in Iowa. I think this is kind of where her ceiling is right now <laughs> because this the momentum has come to a screeching halt for her, <laughs> right? And I think DeSantis is already kind of hanging out in the wind. I think he's hit his ceiling also. Vivek has canceled ad buys, I think. Yeah. So it seems to be this race is shaping up much quicker than we thought. Do you think? Well, man, to me, this race, this race been over, man. This, <laughs> this, this race, this race was over when Trump got indicted. Yeah. Like it, it, it stopped being competitive with the first indictment because people saw that and they were angry and they responded by saying, even people who might've had Trump fatigue, we're like, nah, you know what? We're going to go with him because they're telling us not to. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I, I think a lot of this has been entertainment. <laughs> um, you've also seen, you know, DeSantis and the DeSantis campaign were not as advertised, which has hurt him tremendously. Then you have all the other people who were in the race earlier who have already flamed out. And now you have the situation now, you know, Vivek was having a moment, but, you know, he has a personality problem. <laughs> yeah. Like, you can't be unlikable all the time. You got to show a little bit of, you know, a little bit of coof. And now this thing with Nikki Haley. I mean, this race, in my mind, Trump is going to be the nominee, and Trump was the nominee four months ago, five months ago, six months ago. I think once those those indictments happened, man, especially that first one. It changed everything. And then when they kept indicting him and kept indicting him and kept indicting him, it just made the Republican primary base more and more angry. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the other thing, too, and I mentioned this in my article, the other thing that uh, people haven't realized is the changing demographics of the Republican primary electorate, according to some polls, up to as many as 20% of Republican primary voters are now people of color. And Trump is winning them by a landslide. <laughs> like, it is not even close. So I think this race is, has been over, and we're just, we're just watching 
you know, when I watched the, the last debate, it was like watching the concert with the pit. <laughs> <laughs> so you think Vivek is going to be dropping out in the next couple of weeks? I don't know. I think he's going to, I mean, he's independently wealthy, so he can stay in, in as long as he wants to. Right. But I think, uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he dropped out after Iowa because I think Trump is, if I'm right and these polls are right, I think Trump is going to blow everybody out the water in Iowa. So he may hang on until he might stay on until after New Hampshire. See, that's the difference. Like when you have a candidate who's independently wealthy, if they want to just put their money in a pile and set it on fire, as you say, they can. You know what I mean? So he can stay in as long as he wants. But I think this race is effect, effectively over. So. Let me tell you my problem with Vivek. Vivek seems to me his only role has been of insult comic. You, you know what I'm right. saying? He's like the the Indian right. Don Rickles. He shows up at these debates. He's got these little one-liners and signs. And to me, okay, that's entertaining. But it, it, it's all smoke and mirrors. Because it's I, I actually kept my promise. I watched the first debate. And I have not watched a single one since because it is not a debate. These are not debates. The, I don't know what you call them, but they're not debates. It's, it's, right. it's just, it's, it's just entertainment. And, and when, after that first debate, I said, I'm never going to watch this again. And I have not watched. I, I couldn't even tell you when, when they're on, you got another segment in you. Yeah, for sure. All right. I went dark on AM 1420. The answer. Keeping you informed among the uninformed. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. Welcome back to Always Right Radio. I am Khalid Namar in for Bob France. Speaking of clowns and jokers, the East Cleveland police chief, it's speaking of, again, I don't know. I, I, honestly, I, I am. I'm being very sincere when I when I say this. I don't understand people's fascination, continued fascination with Nazi stuff. I just don't. Anyway, I'm on with Darby O'Kingpin. Marl's my guest. This whole thing where you're a police chief and you think it's funny to share Nazi stuff. There's nothing funny or cool about Nazi stuff. Yeah, we all laughed at Hogan's Heroes, but we're not we're not talking about that. We're talking about sharing stupid Nazi memes and and jokes and you're a East Cleveland police chief. And he now is, I think he's on, on leave or something. And I, I, I saw yeah. a post on your, on your Twitter or your ex and where you were talking about the department needs to be shut down. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think I was one of the, uh, first, "Quote unquote influencers." God, I hate calling myself that. <laughs> that <laughs> that publicly called for that because the 
for let's hold on. Let's let's set the the table first. There are almost twenty uh, East Cleveland either current or former police officers who are under indictment right now. The reason why this chief became the chief in the first place is because the chief before him got indicted. <laughs> so this guy replaces the one who got indicted, and now it comes out that he's been texting uh, anti-Semitic and anti-black racist comments and memes, Nazi imagery. Yeah, let, let, me, uh, let, me, let me play this clip real quick. Hold on one second. Let me play yeah. this clip. Sending some text messages sent to and from East Cleveland Police Chief Brian Gerhard reveal apparent racist, anti-Semitic, and homophobic memes and messages. It's tongue-in-cheek stuff. It's got nothing. There's no racism there. You can go online and find this stuff anywhere. Some of the memes are too inappropriate for us to show you on TV. Take a look at the few we can show. This image, allegedly sent from Gerhard in 2019, shows a photo of Hitler. With the words, have ADHD, I know a place I can send you to learn to concentrate. And there's this one, showing Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. With the words, I had a dream, but James Earl Ray had a Remington. The inappropriate memes go on and on. Hitler. And, and so, it, oh my God. so here, here's the biggest problem um, sometimes I have with these things. <clears throat> the explanation is usually dumber than the act itself. <laughs> right? Oh, well, you, you can go online and find these anywhere. I have no idea what that is supposed to justify. You know what I mean? Like, he, he, he's a juvenile. <laughs> he's a juvenile. You want this guy, you want, and I just want, I know this is a diverse audience that we're talking to, so I want everybody to paint this picture in your mind. Would you want that guy being the chief of a police department in a city that's like 86% black. <laughs> you, that's a guy oh, you want running your police department. So oh. what I've, what I've argued to what Khalid was alluding to earlier is East, in my opinion, the East Cleveland police department is the most corrupt, is one of the most corrupt police departments in America. They have forfeited their right to exist. And I believe the Cuyahoga County Sheriff's department should be, the one that handles policing in East Cleveland, and they should get rid of the East Cleveland Police Department altogether. There is precedence for this. We saw this in Los Angeles, in Compton, where the Compton Police Department was so corrupt that they got rid of it altogether, and now the, the L.A. County Sheriff are the ones that handle uh, policing in Compton. So there's precedence for this. But I think with nearly 20... they. They have 40, I think it was like 44, 45 officers, and nearly 20 of them are under indictment. They, now you have this situation with the new chief who replaced the other one who was allegedly a crook. It, enough is enough. Well, enough is enough. Well, imagine him as a Beachwood police chief, and he's right. throwing around Nazi memes and stuff. And, and, and <laughs> I mean, that wouldn't fly in, in Beachwood, I don't think. Um, no. <laughs> I, I don't think, you know. It, it, again, the department, it's like training day where right. they, they were robbing drug dealers. I mean, everything you could do in a corrupt police department, they were doing. And what, But what's also detrimental to the city, I think I had former Mayor Eric Brewer on last month on uh, my show, Rising Tides on Sundays, by the way. And 
he was talking about the amount of judgments that are against the city. And if I'm not mistaken, I think he said something like it was more than twenty five million dollars. I mean, there's huge judgments that the city's facing that they will never be able to pay. Right. Based on the the, right. the, the, the beatings, the abuse and all sorts of things and uh, that's been going on the last several years. Right. You can't have lawbreakers as police officers. Like, it doesn't, that doesn't work. And this is the problem. This is the problem that they have. And another thing, too, and I actually I saw this in real time as I tweeted about this, is there were a handful of like the hardcore. And I'm like, this is exactly the problem when you have a situation like the East Cleveland Police Department. It's because it's those kind of cops that make it hard for good cops, right? Because people will point to that and be like, see, you know what I mean? Like that department, and I'm sure there's, I'm sure that there's a handful of good cops in that department. Oh, there is. And I've I've met a couple of them very recently, very solid officers. Right. So I'm sure there are, but clearly there is a problem with that institution. You know what I mean? And this has to be dealt with because you don't want to give any more fuel, any more fire, any more ammunition to the crazies who think that if we just hold hands and sing Kumbaya, all the crime will go away. You don't want to give those people any more ammunition. So deal with, deal with these bad cops. That's why I say this department needs to go away. The sheriff's department needs to be their police and these police. Yeah, because there is a problem a branding problem that is forever tainted in that city with that's right i don't think you could ever get rid of it no no matter who would the mayor trust, is no matter who the police were, chief is whatever if you were an east cleveland resident would you trust the police in east cleveland i wouldn't no no they they listen i think if you look back on all the the issues over the past five years they had one police officer who had a couple of sexual assaults while he was on the job and with a couple of uh, doing traffic stops, you, you've had officers that took people to the park and beat them up. Not to mention to the ones who have actually just robbed people <laughs> doing traffic stops. It, it It is, it is so bad that no one who is decent wants to work for the department. So you're, you're almost right. stuck right now with, with the tallest midgets. <laughs> can, right. can you say midget on radio? Sorry. Okay. I, I don't know. Seth said it's okay. Seth said it's okay to say midget. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, and you know what? You just gave another uh, another idea. I think I'm gonna have Mayor Brewer back on uh, my show to talk about this because you know he knows this stuff in and out. He's been talking about this police force for a long time. He certainly, I think, he was the one that. Uh, discipline the last police chief, if I'm not mistaken, right. or maybe even the one before that one. He's had a lot of battles with this police department and his safety forces. So I want to have him on probably my show on Sunday nights, rising tides, check me out. So with you right now, you were in the, what was that scene magazine? Cleveland magazine. Cleveland magazine. I'm sorry. Cleveland magazine's most interesting man in the world, right? Or <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was one of the, uh, one of one of the most interesting people in Cleveland. They do this every year. They've been doing this for a long time. Um, they name I, I forget how many it is. 
Um, but they named a certain amount of, of people in, in the city who are, you know, some of the city's most interesting for their year um, for whatever reason, and uh, and they talk about it. So, And I want to uh, give a shout-out to Cleveland Magazine. I, I appreciate that. Um, but, yeah, um, that's going to be my moniker. Now I'm going to put it on my business card. <laughs> <laughs> one, of, one of Cleveland's most interesting. Right. So, so I, and I want to invite people. Uh, next hour, uh, I'll have a little time if you want to talk about this uh, House bill that we want to see what DeWine's going to do today. What's that, House Bill 86? And a lot of people are interested in that. So if you want to get on to that, just one 281 1-888-281-1110 or 216-901-0945 if you want to weigh on to that. It's Friday. But I'll be also be talking a little bit about, the, uh, again, the, the Nikki Haley situation, but not her comments per se. I'm going to just point out some some things about that issue that I think people are missing. So that's so I'm going to go in on that a little bit the next hour. So lastly, uh, Outlaws Radio Show. Tell our listeners about that. Yes, sir. So um, Outlaws is the show that I host. You can uh, you can hear it wherever you get your podcast, um, you know, whatever platform you prefer. Um, we have we talk about a lot of stuff. We talk like a lot of topics that we talked about here today. Um, we have news of the day and we have, um, we have interviews from all sorts of places. We've had interviews in, in the political world. We've had interviews in, in news and media and entertainment, um, from a local perspective, people to know we've had everybody on our show from, you know, Frank LaRose to J.D. Vance on the Republican side. And then on the Democratic side, we've had, um, the city council president, Blaine Griffin and, and other people as well. So you want to be informed about what's going on around here and uh, hear our take on some of the things that's going on nationwide. Uh, make sure you check us out. But you also had Michael Francis from the uh, Colombo crime family on. I did. We did. <laughs> we did. That was a great interview. Hey, and you know what? He actually broke some news because this was right not too long after the Mueller investigation. I think the Mueller investigation was still going on. He said on our show that the, the people in the Mueller investigation actually reached out to him and asked him because he rented an apartment in Trump Tower in the 80s. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. So they were just looking for what dirt on Trump. And they said, let's go right. to Michael Francis and see what Michael Francis can tell us. Right. Trying, they were trying to, according to according to Michael, they were trying to create this narrative you know, that Trump was associated with the mob. And <laughs> and Francis was like, well, I rented an apartment from him in Trump Tower. And it was like, well, did he know? Of course he <laughs> Michael's like, of course he knew. Because he was a developer in New York in the 80s. You didn't get anything done in New York in the 80s without having to deal with the mob. Well, doesn't mean like he was affiliated. Well, well here's something else, too. Sammy Bull recently in an interview said that Somebody came to him, and I don't know if it was Sheldon Adelson or somebody in Vegas, who was trying to get Trump disqualified from getting a casino license. They wanted Sammy to lie on Trump, and they offered him, I don't know what they offered him, but they wanted him to come up with something against Trump so he could not get a casino license, and he, and he didn't do it. And, and right. this, <laughs> these people are slimy. They are absolutely slimy. 
And they know if he came out and said something, people were going to believe it. Right. And he just said, um, I'm not going to do that, you know, uh, because he said he was a, he said they tried to get to Trump, but they couldn't because he had too many ex FBI guys around him. So they decided to leave him alone. And, mm-hmm. you know, they want him to lie, though. And and right. these people are, are just this is why. And I, and I mentioned to you, you were the first person I called before I told anybody I was approached to run for state Senate. And your words to me directly were hell to the null. <laughs> right? I think I remember that was before or after I said, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was after you said that. If I would never, I mean, I was flattered that I was asked, but but no. This world is, no, it, it will swallow you up and spit you out. And and no, I just can't imagine getting into that world because of what they will seek to do to you. These people will destroy you. And I'm sorry. I went to too many strip clubs in the 90s. I don't want that stuff coming back out. <laughs> I'm sorry. They're going to be like, Mr. Khalid, where were you? We have this receipt. Yeah. From... <laughs> yeah. I mean, I. I grew up in, in the in from the, the Players Club in nineteen ninety four. Yeah, I mean, I had my heyday in in the in, when the flats was the flats in Cleveland in the in the right. late eighties, early nineties. I don't want those days to come back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I could never. You know, I could never run for office. There, people are always like, well, "How come you don't run for?" Office? I can't run for office because I can't stand. I'm like, I'm from I'm from Collinwood. So I can't sit up here and be on stage with you and you talking trash about me and I'm just supposed to smile and laugh at all. I just can't do that. And I'm like, I'm not going to get on national TV and embarrass my mama by punching people in the face. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I, I yeah. cannot imagine. I mean, you know, I want to continue to do what I'm doing, trying to make society better in my own way. But the people who get into right. this political world. Uh, it's these, tough, man. It's tough. And, and knowing what, what the lengths that these people will go. They'll ask people to lie uh, on you. They will scour the planet looking for a woman that you've offended any time over the last 30, 40 years. It, and, you know what I'm saying? And we've all offended yeah. women in our life, right, <laughs> at some point. Yeah, I mean, did you, see, did you see what happened in Detroit, what, last week or two weeks ago? No, I didn't. Where the, the Democratic Party had their Christmas party. And these, you know, quote unquote, pro-Palestinian protesters ran up in there and they were attacking people. They got into fights with grandmothers at this thing. There was a woman who was there who was a former police commissioner. She took her cane and started swinging. (laughs) She started swinging, right? Like running up on people in Detroit is probably not the best idea. But it's like, yo, this is the kind of stuff that you have to that you have to deal with when you're in politics. It's crazy. It's insane right now. Yeah, and a lot of people, as you see, are jumping ship. They're leaving Congress. They're they're deciding not to run for reelection, and they are looking for candidates now all over the place. Particularly in, in like I said, in our state, they're looking for people to run against yeah. Dolan. They're looking for people to run for various various offices. And there there are really some good people out there who say, you know, I don't think I want to do this because no, because it's a yeah, it's a cesspool. Yeah. The, the scandal. And again, they're going to try to. Uh, well, 
I think I shared some things with you about East Cleveland. They dug yeah. up the financial records because, you know, they're trying to recall the mayor for like the second or third time. They dug up financial right. records and, and, and domestic violence records of the lady that's leading the recall effort against the mayor. So, and they took these and they, they put them in mailers and they sent them around East Cleveland. My mom got a couple of them and I'm like, these people are ruthless. So they, yeah. they listed all of her financial issues, how many times she's had some domestic violence, you know, in her marriage. And they put these in these mailers and everybody in East Cleveland has them. It's like, these, this is a slimy world. And <clears throat> so it's, it's a place that from afar, I, I'll, I'll be involved from a distance from afar. I would never put my, put my name on a ballot. Um, and and look to get into that type of of, of, of situation. So, but again, Your press conference would be entertaining though. <laughs> they would be. <laughs> I, I like being on radio, being able to say what I want to say, and it, uh, bash the media. I, have, I don't think I've bashed the media yet today. I still got time. Uh, I, have to, <laughs> I, I have to. I have to sing my favorite song. Uh, have I told you lately that I loathe you? Um, so. <laughs> So I'm going to be talking about them the, the next, the, uh, at least once every time I get on the mic, I have to bash the media. So at any rate, um, it's been great having you on. We will definitely be doing this again. You know, you've, I think you've been on my show recently as well. Uh, I wanted to have you on to talk about your article um, on Nikki Haley, which is on Newsweek. And I'll be talking a little bit more about that whole issue next hour. So tell people real quickly your social media accounts if they want to follow you. Yeah, you can follow me at D the Kingpin on all platforms at D T H E K I N G P I N. All right, Darvio the Kingpin Morrow. Thanks for dropping in, brother. All right, brother. I appreciate it, man. All right. Kiss mom for me. Yes, sir. So that was Darvio the Kingpin Morrow of Outlaws Radio. So uh yeah, this this thing uh right now in Ohio, it's gonna be really tough for Nikki Haley in this state. And this is, if you've been around the state of Ohio, it is, it is such a Trump County or state, shall I say. And there's some, there's some, there's some Trump counties in this state that are just amazing (laughs) when you, when you, when you visit them, how much they just love Trump down there. So she can forget about it. in like, I can think of five or six counties easily where she has no shot. But, uh, this this latest this latest thing is just it's a disaster. And for full disclosure, most people know I used to work for AFP, so I'm not bashing the organization, but I do know that a lot of people were disappointed when they got involved in this presidential primary instead of staying on policy issues. So at any rate, we got most of the next hour coming, like 45 minutes for the, the next hour. I am Khalid Namar, in for Bob France. All without manipulation. That's a flat line with Rick Hughes, heard every Sunday at 6.30 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and KeepingMedicareSimple.com. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? 
Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Who's online? <laughs> Welcome back to the third and final hour of the Bob France Always Right Radio Show. I am Colleen Amar, having a good time today. <clears throat> Thanks again to Dario Kingpin-Mar for stopping in. So, Jim from Westlake, Oh, West Park. Jim from West Park. Hold on. I'm going to get to you. But let's go to Don in Lakewood. How are you doing, Don? Ah, I am on. Uh, that was quite unexpected. Hello, Khalid. How are you? I, I am excellent. Excellent. I am, I, am, I am just mulling over and waxing philosophically about our judicial system, which is a disaster. Um, it is under siege by the left. Um, during the Obama administration, tons of judges were installed, leftist judges, and now they are unabashedly and openly exercising, um, you know, muscle, so to speak. I mean, look what happened in, in Maine. And this is, uh, this is what we're faced with, that we have to deal with. And they're overly political. They're openly becoming openly overtly political. And this is largely due to the unabashed control of the media, the leftist media, over everything. So, by extension, our Constitution is under siege because the left likes to use the judicial system to govern via. So, excuse me, my voice is a little messed up. I am dealing with something called... uh, or the Kung Flu, as uh, <laughs> yeah. President Trump I, put it. <laughs> I think what, what, what they do is they use the Constitution to destroy the Constitution, right? So they make up provisions, they violate it. Biden admitted that his moratorium on rent was prob- probably not going to pass constitutional muster, but he did it anyway. Nancy Pelosi admitted right. that his student loan forgiveness was not constitutional to president to have the authority to do that but he did it anyway and now these same judges are all of a sudden they care about the constitution our democracy and they're reading into things that are not even in there because they feel they feel that they are morally righteous and that's that's the problem and and what's happening is the left is taking by good and evil, to right and wrong, and making them subjective. And you want to talk about a true existential threat to society? That is it. When good and evil, right and wrong, become subjective concepts that can be defined by whoever happens to be in power. And right now, sadly, we know who the lion's share of power is, uh, is possessed by. So we're at a really bad time. 
but hope is not hope is not all lost. I believe uh, that we have every reason to continue to be optimistic as long as we're vigilant and we keep fighting and we keep on top of things on our side. I'm telling you, um, it's going to be a it's going to be a hard fight, and I don't think we should put all our eggs into the Trump basket either. No, but uh, no. it looks like that's where we're going to end up going. Yeah. But the main thing is is our republic and the institutions have to be fixed. Because even if Trump gets back in, he's only going to be back in for four years. That's it. But the institutions are right. enduring, and the principles are enduring. Those are uh, what have to be fixed. That's yeah. The band aid fix of Donald Trump is not going to do it. Right. And uh, from a grassroots level, if we don't stay on top of things on local levels, from the local levels to uh, from the ground up, we're gonna we're gonna lose control forever. And we are at a tipping point in history in this country. So, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Oh, by the way, uh, I, I you know Bob always says it's fist bump Friday. Yes, it is. But I prefer I prefer. I prefer uh, to to call this fist shake Friday because I like to embrace the the clenched fist of fear with a hearty handshake uh, because because during COVID we were forced to fist fist bump right and ironically now that I have it I'm still not fist bumping I'm shaking hands uh, even though I I do wear a glove to be safe so <laughs> that's listen you take care of yourself brother and uh, give your wife my best. I shall do that. Oh, by the way, you can't say midget on the radio. You're supposed to say a little person. <laughs> but, but if, but I, if you know what, if I was a, if I was a midget, I'd be really insulted by being called a little. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, happy New Year, man. Happy New Year. <laughs> Talk. All right. So he's been waiting patiently, and I asked him to call back to the show. Jim from West Park, are you there? Yes. Uh, I've been uh, I've been called a lot of silly things, but when it's time to eat, just call me. Whatever you want. Yes, sir. <laughs> now I was trying to explain to you why we got into this civil war. Please do. And it was Pearson Buchanan before Lincoln was ever elected. They wouldn't allow the South to count their slaves, their indentured servants. Well, no, they were the slaves. That's, that's okay, not say, well, they well, were slaves. Whatever they were, yes, you might be right. But, uh, I, I, no, I'm, I'm not might be right. They were slaves. They were not indigenous service. They were slaves. Well, the, 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 three, the, the blacks the, in the north were slaves, too, but they just had to pay their own room and board. Okay. So, anyways, they decided to give them a three-fifths ruling. So, they weren't... The north told the south, if you're going to count your property, we'll count our horses. So that was a slap in the face. No, it wasn't. It wasn't and, a slap in the face. Well, first of all, you, you left out James Wilson, right? Yeah. James Wilson proposed the three-fifths compromise. It was all based on an old tax law. And it was it was 60% of the population that they were to count. And if you the, – the South wanted them – to count all of them. The North didn't want them to count at all, so they reached the compromise. However, this this is where people are screwing up. The cause of the Civil War was not necessarily secession. Secession 
led to it, but secession is not necessarily war. So the South succeeded from the Union. It was in Lincoln's hands in order to forcibly keep the Union together or let them walk away as the South thought they wanted to do. Jefferson Davis delivered a speech to the Confederacy Assembly and said our only desire is to be left alone. They thought they could just walk away and say, hey, it's been fun, but it's not working out. See you later. They had no means to fight a war. They didn't have the money. They didn't they didn't have they didn't declare war on the north. Lincoln wanted to keep the union together by hook or by crook. And he decided under no circumstances are they going to leave this union. So secession didn't necessarily have to turn into war. But Lincoln decided one way or the other, this union is going to stay together. There were three Supreme Court justices who wanted to mediate and they were rejected because there was only one way for Lincoln. And that was you're going to stay in this union. Just like the uh, 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 husband telling his wife, you know, you're not going anywhere. So secession led to it. But we also had near a, a near civil war in 1832 when South Carolina wanted to secede. And they threatened to it to, to leave the union over tariffs. So slavery was just the latest issue that they were upset about because Lincoln sort of decided he was going to run on, I'm not going to interfere with slavery where it exists. Then he decided that he had a different idea after he was elected, which is why the South was upset. Okay. Okay. Um, so lastly, I'll say this. I am not exp rationalizing anything. What I'm saying to you is that succession over slavery didn't have to lead to war. If Lincoln had decided, I'm going to let them walk. See you later. But that's not what he wanted to do. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, North Carolina had succeeded from the Union before Lincoln was ever uh, they, they, voted in. They threatened. He didn't want to become president. He, the powers put him there. And as soon as he won that election with a, a little over a million votes, I think it's a million two hundred fifty thousand. Seven more states left the Union. And when he took a train from Illinois to Washington to be inaugurated, they left buckets out along the railroad tracks with signs on it, blood buckets. They did not like this guy right from the get-go, the, South, the, the southern states, because they were pushed into this war because of tyranny in Washington. I believe. Now, after they were freed, 50% of those people that were heading up north for this socialist utopia died of, of starvation, disease, and crime. And that's a fact. That is a fact. Uh, they showed one picture in a history book with this slave that's got all these scars on his back from being whipped. And then... The narrative is, oh, that's the way they taught all the slaves. No, the slaves weren't tied to their their beds at night. They played the banya, the banya, okay. and the banja, and they so, played. And yeah, it, it, it was one big party. It, uh, this is where you kind of lose me. You, you, you seem to be trying to put, as, as the saying goes, lipstick on a pig. All right? Uh, you, have, have you ever read anything by Frederick Douglass at all? 
Yes. Which Not one? Much. Okay. Mostly, mostly um, reports that people put out no, about him. No, you you need to read his autobiography. Well, he's written two books. You need to read My Bondage, My Freedom, and you need to read his autobiography. Okay, okay. I'll look it up. In the, they're in the library. Right? I don't have to buy them. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. You can go to the library and get those. You, you need to just start with those alone. Those right there alone will tell you what you need to know. There's lots of others of slave narratives, but you need to read anything by Frederick Douglass, particularly those two books. That'll tell you uh, it wasn't just some big party with people playing banjos. It was slavery, okay? People were well, beaten. I, I, was, I was just using that as a, a figurative, uh, you know. Okay. The first slaves were white. Well, they couldn't handle the South mosquitoes in the South because they, they were dropping like flies, so they mm. needed somebody that had a little bit more resistance to malaria. And so, so they said, well, let's bring these people down over there and let them do that kind of work. Oh, yeah. So anyway, my, my, well, my whole point is, again, secession, as people keep pointing out, we know the reason why the South was, was seceding. Uh, many, particularly several states, were seceding was slavery. However, the war part of it, it's like saying divorce. Divorces don't necessarily lead to violence. Sometimes they do. But they don't necessarily end that way, depending on how the people involved conduct themselves. Well, when you have millions of people who they who who the aren't being represented by those states, uh, they were kind of well, like forced oh, into this war. Well, well who, who else do you think weren't represented? How about black people? That's what I'm saying. Okay. The North said, "Well, if you want to count, if you want to count your uh, property, we'll count our horses." Okay, so you're talking about something that came much, much later. The, the, the three-fifths compromise really did not drive us into the Civil War. That was not a contentious issue. The, con the issue was things like the Fugitive Slave Act and f slavery in itself, whether or not it was going to exist in the territories where it was. And so my point is, it's about perspective. I wasn't there, obviously. None of us were there. We can only look back and see the perspectives of people at the time. There's a whole lot of things that I respect about Lincoln, and there's some things that I don't. But I can say this. The issue of slavery, uh, I blame more so what happened to a Reconstruction for what took place in this country, and that's Rutherford B. Hayes, who happens to be full, was one of the worst Republicans ever. He was the one that made a deal with the Democrats in order to pull the troops out of the South which brought us a hundred years of hell in this country. And that was Rutherford B. Hayes. That was one of the biggest regrets that I have about what took place during Reconstruction. Slavery was bad enough. But what that compromise of 1877 did was just unleashed all sorts of hell in this country for a hundred years. We would have never had to have, have had a civil rights movement had it not been for the compromise of 1877. I'll give you the, I'll give you the last word. Well, you make your, wor your words count, and I appreciate uh, for you taking my call. And I, I've had many, many great black friends. I am not, I, there's not a racist bone in my body. And if I, if I came out that way, sure. I, I, you know, I'm, I apologize. Oh, but no worries, I, no I worries. I've had many, many great black friends. No worries. But thank you for calling. You can call anytime. Thank you. Okay. All right, Sally in Berea. Hi, Sally. Thank you. Thanks so much for covering so many important issues. 
for Bob Franz. And in reference to him, happy Fist on Friday. Yep. And thank you for waiting reason, patiently. Sure. The reason I called was in regard to um, hours and days for establishments private to be open. And it's such a uh, overreach to try to say when um, a business should be open and what days they can be closed, not only for the issue of religious liberty, as in Chick-fil-A, but also even local establishments. A lot of them can't afford to staff uh, seven days a week, and they have certain days and times that they're able to make a profit and not lose money, and that should not be taken away from them. It's an infringement on their rights. Thanks. Thank you. And, and I, I just got wind of that issue um, the last couple of days that's coming up. And again, Chick-fil-A has always been a target of the left because, A, they took a stance on traditional marriage, and that's something that you can't have. <laughs> they just gave money to certain groups. They never even came out with statements. They just, you know, gave money to certain groups that favored traditional marriage, and now they've been a target ever since. So... But thank you for that, Sally. Uh, we'll go to Greg in Cleveland. Greg, how are you? Hey, how you doing? I'm well. I'm on quote. I'm on quote Martin Luther King. Nothing in the world is more dangerous than sincere ignorance and conscientious stupidity. I'm gonna give you a Bravo Zulu for trying to explain things to the callers. I mean, people have already made up their minds about the perception of uh, the Civil War and. Donald Trump, they just made up their minds, and you're not going to change them. So I'm going to give you a Bravo Zulu on at least trying to educate people on that. And that being said, you know, the Constitution spells out certain things. There's no gray area about what the Constitution says. And people are going to spin it, and they're going to listen to certain talk radios. They're going to listen to certain Wait, man, I'm sorry. Please clear, clarify when you say gray areas, no gray areas. Which, which particular issue in the Constitution are you speaking of? The 14th Amendment. Okay, which is what? The, fir- the First Amendment, the Second Amendment. I mean, you choose. Well, okay? what, 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 just, well there, are, there, there are plenty of gray areas in the Constitution. That's why we have courts to kind of debate those issues, because things aren't necessarily always that clear. Uh, so there, yeah, the 14th Amendment is certainly not clear on the disqualification clause, which is why the courts need to clarify it. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, I'm a, a thousand percent behind you. Yes, sir. So the Supreme Court is going to determine what is a, is or is not an insurrection, what is or is not an officer. And once they declare that, then it's a done deal. It's a done deal, Okay. And I think people, you know, left or right, the argument is Donald Trump, is. they don't spell out president on there. But they don't spell out that, you know, who, what is an insurrection or what is engaged, what it means to engage or he was not convicted of it. But what is the meaning of engage in an insurrection or give, you know, aid to an insurrectionist? So they definitely need to determine what is this because you're going to have it's similar to the civil war you're going to have half the state to say he's ineligible then you'll have half the state to say he's ineligible so what it is okay and that's well, why it needs to be spelled out 
Thanks for the call, and I'll address that on the other side. Thank you for that, Greg. Um, I am Khalid Namar. We got one more segment left. Uh, hold on if you got on. One price, nobody. Waking up America from its woke slumber. Always right radio with Bob France on The Answer. Welcome back to the last segment of Always Right Radio with Khalid Namar in for Bob France. If you got on, stay on. I'll get to you. But real quick, I want to address what Greg was saying in the last seg- seg- segment um, before I went to break. Okay, so the courts are not going to determine what an insurrection is. Why? Because we already know. It's in the criminal code. We know what an insurrection is. The courts are going to determine whether or not the president can be thrown off of the ballot by a state Supreme Court, which they can't. (laughs) They have no authority to do so. And the courts are just going to make that official because there's nothing in the Constitution that gives the states the right to do it. They just decided to do it because they feel like it. So we know what an insurrection is. The act or instance of revolting especially vitally against civil or political authority or against an established government. The crime or inciting or engaging in such revolt, whoever incites, sets on foot, assists, or engages in any rebellion against authority of the United States. I just read the other day a little-known constitutional amendment that was proposed back in the 1800s, which laid out what insurrection consists of, and that is organizing men arms, organizing arms, organizing groups to oppose the United States. We had an insurrection. We have an insurrection act, which was last invoked in 1992 to quell the L.A. riots. It was not invoked during January 6th. Why? Because it wasn't an, an insurrection. It wasn't. It was a riot. It was bad. But it wasn't an insurrection, which is why, Greg, no one, no one from January 6th has been charged with insurrection. That's why. Because the people, they know it. They can use that word all they want to to fool the public, but they haven't charged anybody with it. And they haven't charged Trump with it. There's a reason why. Because they know it's bogus. So the courts are going to just deal with this issue once and for all. And we're going to we're going to see, as you said, whether or not the courts have the authority to do this in the states. And they don't. This is an act of Congress. If you read Section three of the 14th Amendment disqualification clause, but you also read Section five, it tells you Congress has the authority to enforce this article. So we already know this. Anyway, uh, let's go to Charlie in Brown Hill. How are you, Charlie? Hey there. Happy New Year, Khalid. Thank you. Good job. Thank you Doing so much. Good job. Appreciate it. Hey, I'm I'm calling. Uh, you guys, you and Morrow, uh, Mr. Morrow said you didn't really care for Vikram Ramaswamy, and you know I, I'm very impressed with the guy. I think the Republican Party owes the guy big time because he's brought out so many damaging things about the Republican Party. You know, his, some of his uh, his principles are just right on that. You know, reverse racism is racism, mm-hmm. an open border is no border. I mean, just on and on. And he, and he called out the Republican National Committee. He, he He's just, we really owe the guy. I'm impressed with him. He's a great speaker. Oh, he absolutely maybe is. His, he maybe, absolutely maybe is. Maybe his personality is, is, you know, he's not a politician. He really hasn't ever been in politics. 
so he hasn't polished it. But he's a great speaker. He's one of the best speakers I've ever heard. And he just he's able to take any question. And you guys just, you know, just brush him off, you know, and he's just also run. I'm hoping that Trump picks him for something. You know, Secretary of State or something. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I, listen, I agree with you. On he is a fantastic speaker. He can certainly articulate conservative principles. I just think that some of his debate performances were not, not to me, effective in in doing anything other than entertaining. He's an entertainer. You have to be an entertainer to a certain degree. But I thought some of his antics with the signs and going after people was a little over the top. But he is bright and he is someone that has a future in the party if he wants one. So I agree with you there. I just didn't like some of his antics at the debates. And finally, you know, they, they tried to steal an election. If, if Trump hadn't tried it, you know, they call it an insurrection. They call it January 6th. You know, I I was I thought it was called the steel the, the steel stop, uh, stop, stop the, the steel, steel. Uh, rally and it, you know that's what it turned into a riot but it was a stop the steel be, and it was all about stealing the vote and if they try to do it again they got to watch out if they steal another election this country's done and so uh, you know we really got to be on our toes absolutely and I, you know I, th- I and I thank you for your time and happy new year to you very much thanks so much thanks for the call thanks Charlie oh we got a few minutes left let's go to TJ in Cleveland. TJ, how are you? Yeah, hi, colleague. You know, you made the statement you can't understand the interest in Hitler and the Nazis. Let me clarify. I said, I said this fascination, right, right, with right, the Nazis and Hitler and and the the the, the, the rhetoric. The, the no, but go ahead. Well, you know, first I got to say I'm Polish, so I really understand uh, the brutality what the Nazis did to the Polish people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not a, a Nazi or Hitler supporter by a long shot. Yes, sir. But I am fascinated with the regime. And the reason I'm fasc- fascinated is I would like to understand how evil incarnate can dupe so many people mm-hmm. like they did the, the German people. And, you know, this fascination, we see this with Charles Manson, evil incarnate. But we're interested. Yes. Uh, Jimmy Jones at Jonestown. uh you know, even in the animal kingdom, you know, if we had two documentaries on at the same time and one on one station was like these placid milk cows in the field or some killer leopard, I guarantee you what's most of us going to watch. Well, listen, I agree with you. I- I'm interested as well. I-, I study all these regimes and, and I am very interested in, in, in the regime. I actually was thinking uh, just yesterday I want to plan a trip to Germany so I can see some of these sites just for historical um, purposes and educational purposes. So I, I agree with the interest in it. My best friend Damasina is half Polish, half uh, Italian, so his family was affected by two dictators, Mussolini and Hitler. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah, double, yeah, double-barrel shotgun there. Yeah. Absolutely. So I agree with the, the interest, but I was talking more so about the people who, who want to throw around the jokes and, and uh you know, the, the, the paraphernalia, yeah. more so from a morbid curiosity kind of thing, not a historical educational interest. Like somebody that's, you know, got pictures of, of, of Hitler on his wall or he thinks that this guy is great or he's got a swastika on his arm, that kind of silliness. Or even, again, sitting around jokes and memes and that kind of thing. Yeah. No, and, and I agree with that. I mean, there's no humor in any of that. Uh, but uh, I, I, I don't know, these people, and like you said, these this cop there in East Cleveland, how did he ever get the job? Well, I, I mean, this is this nobody is, wants to work there, so they have to take who they can get. Yeah, it's disgusting, though. I mean, it uh, is. You know, it, it's, uh, but 
But I guess if you're going to be like that, the only advice I have for you, stay off of Twitter. Yes. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) Have a good, happy New Year, Kyle. Thank you, TJ. Appreciate it. Yeah, and I, I, I'm, I'm very interested in all this. I do want to go to Germany because I want to see these sites. I want to see these cities. Uh, Germany is a fascinating country. Gave us a lot of bad ideas. <laughs> Nazism, you know, uh, socialism, all of the Marxism, all of this stuff comes out of Germany. But they also gave us great engineering, you know. It's amazing. It's a fascinating country, you know, what, what it's produced in terms of so many different things, like the, the, the automobiles that they produce, you know, Benz and Porsche and, and Volkswagen. I mean, it's, it's a fascinating country. And it's something that uh, has been the one of the most consequential countries of the last 200 years. And it certainly has influenced our history. I just want to, you know, dig more into the history and, and, and visiting there. I visit Europe six times. I've never been to, to Germany. I've been to Ireland a bunch of times. I've been to to Belgium. I've been to England a couple of times. But three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.